So your brand wants a relationship with its customer, but how personal is too personal? We talk about it next. You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. Welcome to The A-Game. Each week, we bring together three of our finest minds to talk about what's new, what's now, and what's next in media, marketing, and technology. My name is Jim Ganser, VP of Marketing or Media and Acquisition at Adcom. Joining me this week, Joel Hammond in the house. Hello, Jim. PR expert, social media wizard. Joel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I uh, I'm glad that your your trade, your lopsided uh, trade in fantasy football, did not go through in the office league. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad about that. Well, I I feel pretty good about um, my trade skills. Now, there's three of us this week. We are all invested in adcoms, fantasy football, but we're in two different leagues. That's true. That's correct. It is such a popular um, pastime this time of year, and it's a great way to negotiate. It's good negotiation season. But I am pleased to also introduce this week, Lauren Casarona is in the house, who's our resident uh, marketing automation expert. Yep. Hi, Jim. How is your fantasy football team doing? I had a rough, <laughs> I had a rough first week. I had um, Tyreek Hill. Obviously, he got hurt. Mm. Cam Newton only had five points. It was, it was a very disappointing showing. So I might have to take your strategy and you know, use my knowledge of other people in the office and try to make some strategic trades. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Like you you got to look for blood in the F- water. Find the person yeah. who knows the least and try to. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Basically, we'll call it negotiating. I did not but... say that. I did not say that. Um, Tom Keithley, I think we made a win-win trade, by the way, if you're mm. listening, and I know you are. Mm. Feeling good. I think we're both going to benefit from it. Anyway, so this week, I thought we, we could dive into a topic that's near and dear to our hearts, personalization. We always talk about um, the P word, personalization, when we talk about marketing because... Ultimately, we're in the business of driving results, and oftentimes we're on the other end of technology platforms. So on my side of the shop, we're basically loading up ads and shooting them out. Joel, you're a little bit more interactive when it comes to the social side of things, so you get a little bit of the direct response from that standpoint. Yep. That feels more um, human and personal. And then Lauren, we're talking about email a lot of the times here. Mm-hmm. So maybe the most personal of, of all of the contacts. But the rub with regard to personalization is the fact that people want it, but they don't want it too much. Hmm. I mean, Joel, when, when you think about personalization from brands, where's your line in the sand? Yeah, when we talked about this before we hit record, um, you you, I'm spilling water. Over yeah, here. as you <laughs> spill, that's too personal. That's too much in my space. You spilled water all over the yeah. table. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> so yeah. So where's the line? So is it is it our push notifications? You know, too much, right? We're mm-hmm. talking about email. We're talking about whatever uh, um, weapons we have in our arsenal, and you know, it's a hard, it's a fine line. I I can't tell you my my personal uh, uh, line, but there are days when I get stuff that's like, man, like how did how did they know that about me? And how did you send that push notification to me, knowing that I'm at a store within 20 miles of somewhere I've shopped before? That sort of stuff. So it is a fine line, and I'm I'm interested to hear you know more of what you guys think about where where how how companies can can de- decide where that is. I think yeah, I think across the board, it's really there's a fine line between detached and generic, and then also, you know, 
too personal, like that uh, borderline creepy. They know too much about what I'm doing and my behaviors and stuff. And I I think it, what it comes down to across all the platforms is kind of does the audience know that I have this information? And if I hit them with it, well, how will they react? And I think that is with email, but then also with social, like you're talking about too, and even display ads. Yeah. So what's interesting when we think about email, I, we've oftentimes used the analogy that email is like the keys to the castle. Once you have the keys, then it opens up doors for you. So Lauren. I like that. That's well, nice. I should use yeah. that. <laughs> Feel free. Innovation is not invention. No. <laughs> Door quote. Um, but but essentially when, when somebody gives you their email as, as a business or a brand, mm-hmm. I think that is like the first step towards that relationship. But where do brands potentially go wrong with regard to email? And I'll just open it up to both of you because we've got our marketing hats on, but we also have our consumer hats on. We get blasted with emails. Um, I'll, I'll go first. Here's, here's something that's too personal for me. And this is with my marketing hat on as a receiver of emails. Uh, sales rep reach out, reaches out to me, cold call, refers to me as Jimmy. Mm. <laughs> that's too is that, much. Is that a real happening? Is that that happens. Like, wow. That happens. That's and real presumptuous. Yeah. That is extremely presumptuous. And unless my mother is on the other end, I, I or somebody I grew up with, I, I don't want that, right? That's mm-hmm. just, you know, party of one here. But <laughs> when we're talking about like brand communications, like if they give you the email, there's there's an acceptance of I've given you enough information. There's usually some kind of a, you know, form fill PDF. Mm-hmm. I went to a trade show. I went to a conference. There's a certain amount of information that you know about them already. Like, what's the right way to start? Like, effectively from from an email standpoint. So I think a few things that you said. First, I think it always works better when you kind of ask the customer and see what they're willing to give you. So you talked about a trade show. People are much more willing now than they used to be to give their email address. So I think that makes things a little easier. They're willing to be reached out to. But then unless you're putting your name into that form fill as Jimmy, (laughs) probably isn't going to – nicknames are no. you got to stick with what people are putting in. But um, I think – also, just it it really comes down to being really transparent, I think. And the nice thing is people today, I think, are a lot more used to receiving emails and receiving personalized communications. So that's getting better, especially in terms of behavior and purchase behavior, those kind of things, because they're used to getting it from a lot of big brands and they like it. They like being talked to on a – they like getting personalized help. But when you take it beyond what they've given you and you aren't transparent about where you got the information, that's when it gets weird. That's when Mm -hmm. people are wondering, oh, I wonder how they knew that about me or how do they know my mom calls me Jimmy? Those things (laughs) that they wouldn't ever be able to pick up on. Can we call you, can we start calling you Jimmy? We all know each other. (laughs) That's true. I mean, (laughs) not some random company emailing you or, or a sales call. I wouldn't love it, but at the same time, we have a relationship, so. Sure. I think you have to know the audience too. I mean, I think Gen Z customers are a lot more accepting of it than like if your if your audience is older, they're probably you have to really tone it back. They're much 
less willing, I think, to receive that personalized content. So that matters. And then even I think even doing some testing around it is okay and seeing where customers seem to be pulling back is also a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think using the word strategy is really important here because when we look at marketing automation, there's a huge adoption in, in marketing. Like 75% of marketers are using some form of marketing automation. Mm-hmm. But marketing automation is really a tactic that's that should be attached to a strategy. But given the types of emails that we often get, it, it's easy to see that a lot of people are leading with tactics. So from a strategic standpoint, we're like building the foundation of, of communication and trust, and it really comes down to using it the right way. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about like where brands potentially can go wrong with with marketing automation and i'll just and we can kind of freestyle it a little bit um in the spirit of the conversations that we have but we talk about timing timing is really important you know i go here's a real world example something that happened to me today we were at content marketing world last week you go around and you go in and you hear different speakers they scan you in that scan is connected to your email and then you're starting to get emails from presenters or people from specific companies. So now I'm getting emails saying, hey, I'd love to connect with you. That seems to be like good timeliness. Mm-hmm. If that email comes two weeks, four weeks, you know, six weeks from now, that's going to fall out of the back of my, I'm, I'm like, who is this? Sure. I have no idea. Super important. Like timing can be very important. Would it matter to you in that case if he, if the person who's reaching out had said, you know, kind of reminded you about Content Marketing World and brought up that's where they met you? In those cases, would would the timing still matter to you as much? I still think there's something to be said for persistence and like a, a consistent drumbeat. It's like the further away I am from that particular event. Sure, yeah. The, I mean, and this is just like a focus group of one, which is why everybody tunes into the program to hear the focus group of one, which is um, statistically st- significant. And and I am very, you know, very much a mystery, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I try to keep that way. But but ultimately, I mean, I feel like timing is one of those things. Yeah. Any other, any other things that you guys, you feel are like critical as either pros or cons when it comes to like marketing automation, when you're clearly getting an email from a technology platform than a person. Yeah, so, something you mentioned, Jim, just a few moments ago, I brought something up to my, in my mind. So email, am, am I wrong in, in in asserting, I mean, email is, is a conversion tactic, right? I mean, for the most part, email is a conversion tactic, yes? Yeah. Highest ROI for sure. sure. If we're gonna talk numbers, absolutely. You know? <laughs> so, Jim, is there danger to your point earlier? I think you you mentioned something about building communication and trust. So, I opt into to company X's. Um, you know, I always go back to sports. I opt in to receive my favorite team's new, uh, e-newsletter, weekly newsletter about the team, about what they're doing off the field, whatever, blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, the ticket offers start. Mm-hmm. You know, like is there danger? I know it's a conversion t- tactic. Um, I know that I'm expecting to receive some some amount of of that type of communication, but if I'm opting in 
say maybe a sports maybe that's a bad example because it's it's a different if it's a different beast like if i'm opting into target's emails i don't want to know more about target i want to know about you know i want to know about what i don't their, know that, what i don't know that it's a bad example and i'll tell you i'll tell you why i don't think it's a bad example sports has a good way of leading with value mm-hmm. you know they're demonstrating value they've got an avid fan base on the other end that wants personalized information about their team Mm-hmm. That's a great way to talk about personalization. I've opted into the NFL.com, but I'm going through the Chicago Bears. I'm getting my customized Chicago Bears stories about the fact that they laid an egg <laughs> on Thursday Night Football. I remember. And I remember. After, I believe I believe last week's show you predicted they would win 38 to seven. I know, and Ooh. it it took me about. And they scored. They did score three, but they did score three points. Well, yeah, <laughs> it took me about 38 minutes to pull myself off the floor. Um, just laying in pain yeah. after watching yeah. what was textbook and, and we were texting back and forth. And I told Joel this on multiple occasions. I've seen this, I've seen this game before. I have watched this game. I know it's going to happen. It is either going to be, we completely lay an egg. We go down and throw an interception or it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be name your Packers quarterback, hall of fame quarterback to come back and, and, yeah. dash their hopes at the end of the yeah. game. But going back to <laughs> going back to the sports analogy, you can pepper in like the tickets because 9 out of 10 times you're leading with something valuable, which is content. And I think when we talk about strategy, the difference between strategy and tactic is the fact that you need to have a communication focus on the back end. Yeah. And something that's not just about your brand personally, but something that says something about that audience. And they've given you enough information to put you in a position to make the right choices. So another reason I think it's a good, actually a good example, too, is because going back to your original question, one of the other things that I think helps with personalization is if you can give something back to the consumer in return for it. And you can't always do that. But in the example that you gave that person, you had to give your email. You want information about your team, so you had to give your location. So now I can already target you, like I can geographically target you because I know where you live because you want information about your particular team. I I probably have your name along with your email, so I can even put, hey, Joel, in the subject line or in the email content if I wanted to. And it's acceptable to you because you gave me that information so you could get personalized info. So I can give you tickets. I can serve you other things that will benefit you, like what time to get to the game so that you are in the least amount of traffic, like that kind of information. I can even, I mean, there's all sorts of things just from location and name that I can get from you that you're okay with because you're getting something in return. And if you think of other brands that like Starbucks has a pretty good email program and I in their loyalty program I get a lot of personalized emails like hey you bought this you should get this too and I'm okay with it because I'm in their loyalty program so it's I might get something free down the line yeah Yeah. so those benefits make it much more acceptable to me to give that information because I know I'll get something out of it later so is there room in that case uh, Jim, do you think that like, so I, I just, I mentioned Target. How about, I thought of just as we were talking, what about Tom's? So Tom's is a, again, it's a retailer. It's, its goal is to sell shoes, but they also have this really cool philanthropic thing where I think if they, if you, every pair of shoes you buy at Tom's, they, they donate a pair to, you know, a, a, a 
um, less fortunate, somebody less fortunate. Mm -hmm. You know, so to your point about communication strategy and this being a larger tactic, that company's goal is to sell as many pairs of shoes as possible. But along the way, I mean, you've got to find a way, I think, I mean, I think this is where we're going with this, and maybe this doesn't apply to everybody. How about Walmart? Walmart just made a gigantic decision corporately about its concealed carry uh, process, you know, so Walmart's goal is to target emails to me based on my purchase history on whatever I buy there, diapers and, and whatever. But I mean, if I'm if I'm Walmart, am I communicating to the people who have opted into my emails about a, a big, you know, show showing that that, um, you know, we're not just an e-retailer? You know, I think is that is that what you were getting at earlier, Jim? Like if I'm Tom's, am I telling my email database that, hey, look, we're doing this really cool thing. If I'm Target, am I emailing them and telling them, hey, this is what we stand for as a company. And by the way, we also sell, you know, baby wipes and whatever. Well, I think it's an interesting question. But when you're talking about like the the back end of something as personal as an email, these are people that have already bought in in some form or fashion. So if we're talking about you're going to Walmart, you're buying diapers, you're buying hubba bubba or you know bubble tape sure because you love gum who doesn't um you've opted in you you've already bought into why they do what they do sure or the value that they provide so i don't feel like they need to communicate that out i think these broad sweeping like um, whether it's political non-political if it's something um that's charitable these are great broadcast messages to project out at a very high level, upper funnel level, this is who we are and what we stand for. We're not just about making money. We're about, you know, making a difference in some form or fashion. Saying, hey, we're a lot, we share some of the values that you share. I think that when it comes to email, as cold as this sounds, (laughs) I want it to be about me. Lower funnel. I don't want it to be about everybody else. Sure. I want them to be like, hey, you haven't bought socks in a while. You need to step up your game. See what I did there? That was called intended pun. <laughs> step it up. And you not only bought socks, so you might or you bought socks already, so you might like these shoes. People exactly. like that kind of thing too because it's relevant. They want yeah. relevant content that's timely. It goes back to your point earlier about timing mm-hmm. too. It it matters when you hit them with that information. And so yeah. even if we're getting it just cr- it could cross the line if you hit them with timely information that you gathered and made assumptions about, but they don't know that you had it. Like they didn't realize that you had that data and then it can get creepy. Then people get freaked out. I think, I mean, this is a very old example, but I think probably the most famous example of the personalization gone wrong since we keep talking about Target is with Target when they basically had algorithms on the back end about how, how, what people were buying that showed that they were going to be pregnant soon. And so they sent emails out about getting on their pregnancy registries. And obviously, basically the father found out that the daughter was pregnant before she even announced it. And it was a huge, of course, that was very controversial. But I think it's one of the more famous examples of personalization gone wrong because it was insightful of Target to look into that, but it was also creepy because they that wasn't information that they were given. I think that's a great example of because I think part of that part of that issue also was that um, 
wasn't there an element of that with that people that women who have who had miscarried like you mm-hmm. know they had searched but in the time that they were served emails from retailer x that yeah, there's a heightened sensitivity sure. sensitivity yeah. around those things sure. it's just it's too much it's too personal and then there's this other element that we haven't even talked about that is ever present in here and we deal with it all the time in in paid media in digital advertising it's the fact that people have not opted in they have not opted yeah. in for you to have that kind of communication with them. You hear it all the time. I've heard it a million times with my circle of friends. I've heard it in our department. People feel like Facebook is listening to their conversations. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is their algorithm knows so much about who you are and what you do and where you've been and what you're interested in that they're, they're actually giving that personalization to you. And people are like, ooh, that's too much. But we didn't opt in for that. Mm-hmm. At least we didn't read the fine lines when we downloaded the app. But the fact of the matter is, when it comes to personalization, I think there's a different expectation when you opt in. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a responsibility to communicate the right way. So on the flip side, Lauren, mm-hmm. what about communication that is just way too general? Like I've given my email, I've bought a product. Is there a risk associated with that? Like should brands be weary of how generalized you become with some of your email communication? Yeah, I think um, in general, p- people are used to a certain degree of personalization and they expect it. They like, get like I mentioned earlier, they like getting that customized help and something that's really relevant to them. So when you... I think brands that are still sending generic automations that basically have all their content that aren't personalized, they're not segmented, they're basically just getting as much information about their own brand out as they can, that's really hurting them in today's world when personalization is expected and it's it's hurting that it's hurting their ROI in general because people aren't engaging with that. So I'm going to share, I've been sharing a lot today. So I like these personalized stories. I didn't know these situations were happening to you so regularly. They do. And (laughs) some of them happen today, but this one has not. But um, one of the, one of the times that I've gotten involved with like the email blasts, and this goes back to me being a father, but when my first son was yet to be born, they've got, there's a couple different, like there's what's, what to expect in baby center. And you can sign up to the email and you get an email every day. And they're like, and your baby's a pee today. And this yeah, is what he's I've doing. Yeah, I've seen that, yes. And the funny thing is, is it like, it keeps going. Like I still get like emails about like my eight-year-old because I haven't opted out. But yeah. I mean, is there something to be said for marketers to just like cleanse these email lists? I mean, these aren't, you're not gonna have somebody that's active and engaging all the time. I mean, I, I've gotten to the point where it's like, I don't need to, I know what's going on in my house and I don't need like the measuring stick of where my son is versus what baby center says, which is just a, basically a cover for Johnson and Johnson anyway, which baby shampoo, by the way, highly recommended. (laughs) But I mean, is there like a use case for when do you take a look at that list and what are the types of things that you look for in order to kind of cleanse out some of those those deadbeats like myself? I think, I mean, data cleansing should be happening really often, especially now with privacy concerns. Email, um, in other countries, they already have laws that are 
against sending to anyone who hasn't double opted in that hasn't hit the U.S. yet, but it's coming. Like, that is what's coming here because, like you, people are getting upset that they – Maybe, maybe you didn't opt out of that email, but if you did opt out and you're still receiving those sends, people are getting frustrated by that. And other countries, Europe, Canada, they've already taken steps to prevent some of that. And there's huge legal ramifications if you're still sending to them after, after they've, if they haven't double opted in. So it seems weird in the US because having someone opt in once and then sending them an email to opt in again seems like a lot, but that's what's coming. And I think that in order to avoid any kind of legal trouble, in order to keep your audience really engaged, you do need to cleanse often and make sure that people are opted in, make sure that people are engaged, make sure that you're hitting them at the right times and you're not just excessively sending them emails that aren't relevant to them anymore. I think it's relevant now, but it's gonna get even more so when those legal legal things come to the US too. So with double opt-ins, mm-hmm. how does that impact ROI? It definitely impacts ROI. It is much harder to get someone to say they want an email twice than it is just having them one time. Even now, there's, I mean, if you purchase something, you're pretty much added to the email list if you give it, and that's considered an opt-in. And it's getting to the point where that's not going to be enough. You're going to need an actual date stamp of when someone physically opted in knowing they were getting marketing emails and that's not something that happens when you purchase something now nobody's reading you disclaimers saying you're going to receive marketing emails giving me your email address it's just assumed and so it'll be much harder to get people into your email list so brands are going to have to work a lot harder to make sure that their content is custom make sure that people want it and make sure that it's personalized like we're talking about well I'll play devil's advocate, okay? Mm-hmm. Shocker. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Now, if somebody opts in twice, I might say that they'd be even higher candidate for actually purchasing at some point. So think about this. So Michael Pax, the uh, the famous um, maestro of the A-Game podcast, let's say that he's got a Big Mac attack and he's going through the drive through at McDonald's. You know, okay. he's going through the drive. He's not going in and messing with that touch screen. Sure. Ish don't think so. So <laughs> he's got to go through an order twice. He is definitely going to eat that Big Mac. I'm, I'm telling you, like, if you've got to go around twice, you really want it. Me, I'd be like, eh, I'm not going to order it again. Yeah, I see. I mean, you're getting a more engaged audience. You bring yeah. up a good point because you're getting people that actually want to be in your list. Exactly. Um, so th- they that really matters. want that. Yeah, that definitely matters. Which heightens the expectation of what you give them. So it is that much more important when you're in this double opt-in world that when people take the time, not just once but twice, to say, "I want to hear from you," you need to customize and personalize that message in a way that is meaningful. So definitely. keep that in mind. Okay, so final thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Okay, I'm ready. So here we go. <laughs> Tighten your safety belts. If marketing automation was a Michael Jackson song, Ooh, I was what thinking. song would it be and why? Michael Jackson song. For anybody out there, this is what happens when you come in and interview at Adcom with me. You get these types of questions. Yeah, I'm I'm not in interview mode. I wasn't prepared for this. Okay. A Michael Jackson song. Um I'm gonna go thriller. Ooh. 
And the reasoning is, I think that email has been around for a long time. So people don't realize the exciting things that are happening behind the scenes. So it's becoming very thrilling because there it's changing. And <laughs> uh, come on, you'd hire me after this, right? <laughs> you'd hire me after this for sure. Because it's becoming nice. thrilling because it's changing and it's not just, it's, it's old, but it's different. And that makes it exciting. And that makes people want robust email programs. That makes people realize the importance of personalization and customization and even automation too. That is a great response. Thank you. But I would only hire for smooth criminal. Is that just because Mike held it up in the window? No. The true answer, the, the actual correct answer. What? There's a correct there's answer? There's a correct answer and it's Dirty Diana. Wow. Because email is really for those that are in and really in. And you do not like Dirty Diana unless you are down with the King of Pop. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's our walkout song. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, the thriller's great. I think, I think this has been an amazing conversation today. I think we've managed to keep the topic of email kind of lively. Yeah, I think so. Thanks Why for not? having me. This yeah, is fun. This is great. Lauren, thank you for coming in. Joel, always a pleasure. I know you had to bounce out a little bit early. Um, if you want to find us, if you want to engage, if you want to tell us what you think email is in the catalog of Michael Jackson, maybe you are not alone. Maybe next time A Game it. hits the email world. Tell me about it. You know where to find us. You can find us at the A Game Podcast on Twitter. And if, if you like, you can follow the, um, the Adcom group as well. So um, click to subscribe, rate the program, tell a friend, hug somebody, pay it forward. You know, all the good things. Join us next week where we get back at it and Michael, take us out. Hey.